Hi, this is Claire Chandler, president and founder of Talent Boost. We assist HR and business leaders in aligning to deliver strategic outcomes. I am so excited to discuss how to align your leadership teams. If you want to learn how to scale your business successfully and create a better culture, listen to my episode on the Jess Get Hired podcast, where I join Jessica to discuss my growth strategy tips to help align your leadership team. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Just Get Hired podcast. You know, having a strong and cohesive leadership team is like the backbone of success for any company. When leaders are on the same page, they steer the ship towards its goals, they'll make informed decisions, and they'll motivate their teams to perform at their absolute best. But let's face it, achieving that level of alignment can be a real challenge, especially in a fast-paced and ever-changing environment. Well, before we get into all of this, if you're new to the show or maybe you've been around for a while, hey everyone, my name is Jessica Fiesta George and I'm your host of Just Get Hired. This is a podcast where we dive into all things career related from tips and strategies to help you land your dream job to personal and professional development. I want to welcome you to episode 52, and I've got a fantastic guest who's joining us today, and we're going to talk about something crucial happening in every organization, and that's just aligning leadership. Claire Chandler is with us today, and she is the president and founder of Talent Boost, a well-known company that specializes in aligning HR and business leaders to achieve strategic outcomes. She has 25 years of experience in people leadership, HR, and running her own business. She's a true authority in helping leaders work together more effectively. And what sets Claire apart is her natural ability to collaborate and just cut through all of that corporate clutter. She's known for finding innovative solutions to problems, and she always stays calm in the face of crisis. And that's why she is a sought after podcast guest, and she's authored several books on leadership and business strategy. Well, today, Claire and I are going to dig into this common challenge that organizations face when it comes to aligning their leadership teams, and we're going to explore effective strategies and practical advice to help create a high-performing and harmonious leadership culture. So if you're ready to uncover Claire's expertise and you're ready to discover the secrets to aligning leadership teams for accelerated growth, trust me, this episode is something you won't want to miss. All right, Just Get Hired podcast. I am excited to welcome in Claire Chandler. Claire, welcome to the Just Get Hired podcast. Thanks, Jessica. It's so great to be here. I am excited to have you because you have been quite the world traveler lately. <laughs> and just to nail you down to have our conversation, I am um, really excited for our topic today. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's going to be good. <laughs> well, um, I've already told the audience a little bit about you, but why don't we hear it from you if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about your background and experience in helping to align leadership teams. Sure. Uh, so I am a self-professed corporate survivor. Um, I spent the first couple of decades of my career working within corporate America uh, until 2011 when I decided uh, I wasn't going to wait anymore for the perfect uh, alignment. I know that's going to be a key word for us, but you know, for, for everything to align in terms of market conditions, my own experience and, you know, and everything to, uh, to go out and, and try my hand uh, as an entrepreneur. 
Um, and two years later, in 2013, I formed my company, Talent Boost. Mm-hmm. Um, and today I uh, specialize in advising um, corporations specifically, but also uh, investors, serial acquirers from the outside of those corporate walls looking in mm-hmm. uh, and helping them to align um, their teams, their leaders, their strategy and their culture so that they can accelerate uh, their business outcomes and their growth journey. So I, I love that because it kind of mirrors a lot of what I do within private equity. So I advise private equity um, backed companies on their talent um, acquisition and HR processes and private equity, you know, you've got a lot of founder led um, companies out there who, you know, aren't used to having big business coming in, telling them kind of what to do. (laughs) Right. And so a lot of the private equity firms that are acquiring these businesses have to kind of get those leadership teams on board. And sometimes that's a lot, that's really difficult if you, you know, look at the different cultures, the different ways that they've been doing business. But what have you seen common challenges um, in aligning your businesses that you consult? And, you know, how do you typically address that? Yeah, um, you know, specifically within private equity, there's there's sort of a unique challenge um, in that typically an investor will be talking to the founder or the owner or owners of a company um, pre-close, right? And there's Mm -hmm. sort of this, there is a very limited number of people who can be involved or even be in the know about a pending acquisition. And because of that, once the deal closes, the, you know, the new owner or the new investor um, is really starting almost at a negative because they have to go in cold they have to introduce themselves to a leadership team that might be smarting from the fact that they didn't know, mm. um, you know, that they were being acquired at all, or at least did not know, you know, the, the details. So there's a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of damage control that has to happen first. Right. Um, so that's kind of challenge number one. How do you overcome um, this sort of resentment that the previous owners didn't include us or they abandoned us or they sold us off, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can align yourself with an an investor who has the best intentions for growing your company and empowering your leaders and putting them in the position to, you know, to have extraordinary success. Um, But there's going to be a little bit of that, of that suspicion in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the, the, you know, the biggest challenge. And then I would say the second biggest challenge, especially from investors, and I talk to a lot of them, they all sort of say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they say, we, we come in, uh, we knew what we were acquiring. We have this really brilliant, it's always brilliant, growth <laughs> strategy, right, to get our multipliers and to sort of take this company uh, from where they are to where we know we can grow them. And they're digging their heels in and they're resisting us at every turn. And, and like the first thing that we did was go in and, you know, we want to bring them onto our payroll system. As mm. an example. It's yeah. always sort of the first thing, right? We got to get the systems aligned. And I get why that's so important, right? Because we can't scale without systems. We can't scale without consistency and best practices and all of that. 
but the people that you're walking into, um, they are going to interpret that as a first sign of a steady stream of chaos mm. And so that's the other big challenge is investors understand that that's what they have to do to stabilize the base for scaling, but they can't just jump right in and change systems. They have to engage the people first, especially the leaders who are feeling a little bit hurt, are feeling a little bit suspicious, um, and engage them and work on the alignment and the commitment first before they start messing around with systems. I've, <laughs> I laugh a little bit only because I, I'm thinking of, you know, my experience right now and how it is on the HR and talent acquisition side. You know, you mentioned, you know, the first thing is payroll, right? Um, that <laughs> it's, has an it's, payroll. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, you know, now we have to, you know, eventually pay you guys. So, um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, I've, in my current role, I've been advising PE firms or companies um, that we own for the past two years, but I feel like now they're just starting to pay attention. Um, and I, I found that approach of coming in and just saying, you know, like this whole process sucks and like your systems suck. And, you know, I can't believe you've done business this way for, yeah. you know, yeah. um, obviously these people have been successful. The founders, you know, take things kind of personally when you start trying to change things that they've done for years um and i find that it's really hard to kind of earn their trust so to speak yeah. um and when you're coming in you know as a consultant especially um you know you're kind of the unknown but they because i come as part of the pe firm it's like, okay, so I guess I have to listen, but, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. so there's a little bit uh, of that battle that we all have to fight from, you know, a process perspective and like introducing new technology. So a lot of times, um, you know, they are truly resistant to change, but when they're, they open up their minds and become more receptive, they start to see success. Um, so do you find that with the clients that you also support? I, I do uh, pretty much 100% of the time. And it's interesting because there's a word in there that you use just, you know, given your own personal experience and the, the lens that you are applying, which is that mm -hmm. lens of HR. And you said, um, you know, that you have to go in and you have to listen. And you didn't say mm -hmm. that like begrudgingly, right. like, hear these people out. But there is such a key role um, that HR specifically needs to play in an organization, whether it's post-acquisition, post-merger, or just, you know, in an, in an established organization. Um, I was speaking with a, with a C-level executive um, just the other day about um, some of the challenges that he's facing. So he's outside of HR, but obviously he has to work in concert with HR to get things done, right? To get the right people in the right roles and to keep them on track, et cetera. And I said, you know, what's what's kind of keeping you up at night? And I don't mean to keep using that sort of, you know, trite question, mm -hmm. but it's still a thing, right? Yeah. Um, and he candid with me and he said, you know, the we we need to evolve. And he said, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, I would, I would want everybody to wake up with a sense of urgency around what needs to get done mm -hmm. and how to do that. And I said, well, what's standing in your way? 
And he said, you know, quite frankly, he said, we are not, you know, at the sea level are not all in alignment on the messages that we are um, sending to the team. And he said, that's where HR really could help us out. And I said, go, you know, go deeper on that. Like, what do you mean by that? Right. And he said, HR has a, has a very critical role in being, um, helping to facilitate the message going out, but really being that organizational listener, uh-huh. um, you know, having that role of, because I think HR as a species tends to be more empathetic, um, tends to um, lean into the people side. Sometimes that's, you know, that can be a curse. Right. Um, but, you know, really can understand how to create, um, I don't mean a safe space, but create an environment where employees and leaders from executives on down to frontline can feel comfortable and empowered and almost duty bound mm. um, to share what they're feeling and what they need in order to really not dig their heels in, but to lean in toward achieving the mission. So there is this concept of listening and being good organizational listeners that HR can play to really start to play a more strategic part in the organizational growth. So besides the list, besides listening, I mean, can you maybe give me some examples of, you know, some effective strategies that you've been able to do to help facilitate that communication and collaboration between leadership teams? Yeah. So during the pandemic, um, it was really difficult because, you know, everybody went first into lockdown and, and we were very restricted in terms of getting people into the same room. And while we learned a lot through the pandemic about what we could do remotely and how we could automate and streamline and become more efficient, we had lost out on that connection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that we are through the thick of the pandemic, um, I am so excited that I am, you know, now able to get leadership teams, not just around the same table, but in the same room, right? Not in the same Zoom room or Teams <laughs> call or whatever, but actually physically in the same room. Because there's an energy that's created when people are physically together that you just cannot replicate um, virtually. And so part of what I do and what I've been really doing a lot of um, post-COVID is like most of the organizations that I work with um, are really all about, um, you know, strategic planning again, right? Mm-hmm. They want to they want to sort of dust off the, the plans that they had started pre-COVID. Um, they want to bulletproof those. They want to be more realistic. You know, pre-COVID, we were talking about 10 years out, where do you want to be? Um, they are far more realistic now. So the trend is really now down to let's let's establish really good, ambitious, yet achievable five-year outcomes. Uh, let's not delude ourselves into thinking we can have a 10-year plan that will stay on course. Um, and so a lot of organizations, you know, are ringing my phone off the hook saying, we need you to come in and help us facilitate a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. And my answer is always the same. Happy to do that as day two. <laughs> But day one has to be about, we've got to get the dynamics right in your leadership team, mm, okay. right? And so um, it is it is so critical. It's it's the same concept as that private equity investor walking into you know, the offices and the locations of the company they just purchased um, and, and expecting to just put in their growth strategy. You okay. have to get the dynamics right first. You have to connect the threads on a more deeper human level. Um, and so that's what... That's what I do. I facilitate those types of sessions first 
Um, and there's some pre-work, you know, we do some, some one-on-ones and it's, it, I, I don't call it coaching, but it's a little bit of coaching, a little bit of mm-hmm. leadership therapy, right? Um, to, to get everybody's heads right before they walk into a room. And then we work for, depending on the, you know, the environment and uh, sort of the circumstances, half day, one day, couple of days on getting those team dynamics right. Because the other key word you said a couple of moments ago was trust. Right. If the exactly. leaders do not trust each other, they don't trust each other to share not just what they need, but where they are struggling, Be, you know, and, and lean into that vulnerability and that radical transparency and candor. If they don't trust each other enough to do that, it doesn't matter how talented they are or how well stocked the pond of talent is, they will not achieve those five-year outcomes. Wow, that's powerful. (laughs) Uh, I like what you said, leadership therapy, because I think that's kind of what it is really. But besides like facilitating sessions in the beginning, but how do you ensure that, you know, when you come in to an organization, you've set up all of these things for them, but how do you ensure that the leaderships just stay aligned in the long run? Yeah, that's key, right? Because it can't be, you can't have a one and done feel good workshop. And I've never been about, um, you know, just creating a one-time experience that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very entertaining. I can, I can be, you know, sort of a, a very humorous and I can do things that, that keep their attention, but eventually I go away. Right. Mm -hmm. The the role of a good facilitator and a good advisor and a good consultant is ultimately to help strengthen the the infrastructure that you have so that Mm -hmm. you don't need me anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that I'm not going to take your call. I'm happy to do it. Right. But but really, the goal is for you to strengthen that muscle, um, especially as a as a as a lead team um, so that you can keep that going. So part of it is doing this multi-layer um, getting the leadership team together, doing the pre-work of, of meeting with them one-on-one, meeting them where they are, and getting them a little bit warmed up to walk into that room uh, a bit more open than skeptical. Mm-hmm. This applies to you know a leadership team uh, post-acquisition as well. Before you have the investors walk in the room to start you know walking them through the strategy, um, you want to do some of that pre-work as well because to your point, you know, there's those two keys, right? You want to, you want to listen to them very intently mm-hmm. about what's going on in their minds and create an environment for them to speak their mind. Um, and then also do the groundwork as early and as often as possible to strengthen that degree of trust that requires authenticity. It requires self-awareness. It requires two-way communication. Um, you know, it requires incorporating some of their ideas into the strategy that you've already started. Right. So that they don't feel like, you know, all of those discussions and that energy was was for nothing. Um, And so, you know, when I'm in a room with a leadership team, especially executive leaders, I never want it to be about a one off event. It has to be one piece of an ongoing relationship, not just that I build with them, but that they build with each other and that they in turn build with the workforce, Um, because if they don't get that relationship right, they're, they're, they're going to just continue to be met with frustration, with cultural resistance, with infighting, with silos, mm-hmm. you know, with fractions and, and all of that sort of thing. And they're ultimately going to fail. 
That's very true. Great nuggets there. <laughs> I mean, when you look, kind of think ahead, um, you know, are there different trends or other challenges that you can foresee um, in aligning leadership teams? Um, and then how do you think companies and organizations can prepare for that? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I work with executives in, in all areas of an organization, but in particular, I go deepest with uh, human resources. Um, that tends to be the the uh, the organization within the organization that will bring me in, mm -hmm. right? In right. um, HR, in in most of the organizations, the larger complex organizations that I work with, um, they are really working hard to evolve their model for operating, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's no there's no shortage of resources and guidance and advice and frameworks and best practices for them to do that, mm -hmm. but they ultimately have to do the work themselves, right? They have to, again, meet their people where they are, really understand um, not just where they want to evolve the model, but not, you know, not just do it because Gartner or McKinsey or Bain and Company <laughs> say that this is the structure you should have, right? Right? Because again, it's sort of like, well, we're just going to put in a growth strategy and because it's so brilliant, everybody's going to get on board. That's not the way this is going to work. <laughs> Right. So so they need to evolve it, but it has to be an iterative process. It is probably going to take longer. It's sort of like construction on your house. Right. Assume it's going to take <laughs> twice as long, twice as much money. Um, it, you know, it, it's going to it's going to take longer because you do have to iterate. You can't just slam in a new work structure, put, you know, different names in boxes and expect people to to get on board because there is this innate human resistance to change. Even if you point them toward the future, even if you convince them that the future is better if mm -hmm. we move toward this model, um, until they sort of feel some of that um, progress for themselves and feel deeply, they're you know they're they're going to resist, um, whether intentionally or or subconsciously. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, of work lately. I've been doing a, a research study on the future of HR for, for business mm -hmm. and not just like the, not the structure of it, but really just talking to executives, both within HR and outside of HR to say, um, you know, as you're getting clearer and clearer on what the organizational outcomes need to be over the next five years, what does HR need to provide to help you facilitate that journey? Right. What does that mm -hmm. need to uh, look like? Again, not structurally, but from a uh, from a service, from a, from a skill standpoint. Mm. And so, you know, there are, um, the, I think the good news so far, and this is an ongoing uh, study, but the good news so far is the business resoundingly appreciates the value that HR needs to bring. That That's without perfect. HR as an equal strategic partner, um, they're not going to achieve those five-year outcomes. But there, there's also sort of resounding evidence mm. that the areas that they need HR the most are the areas that are the most lacking. And specifically they are around uh, HR's ability to think and act strategically. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's a big category, right? Um, because we, we, we've been talking about that for years. We've been talking about, you know, HR complaining that they don't have a seat at the table. Uh, HR changed, you know, the titles of their generalists to business partners. And they right. thought that would be enough to signal a seat <laughs> change. And, it, and, it's, and it's not, right? right. Um, and so it's it's a lot of different pieces of strategy around how do 
how do we as HR um, see around corners in terms mm -hmm. of what are the skills for the future that the organization needs? What does the labor market look like and how do we influence that? Um, how do we align what we are doing to prepare up and coming leaders so that they can be innovative uh, you know, and, and lead the business far beyond those five-year outcomes? Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a lot of work, but it also takes a different level of conversation. Totally agree. And, you know, I think one of the things about uh, you said earlier about, uh, you know, getting a seat at the table and HR um, being able to kind of sit there. I think a lot of organizations have always viewed HR um, and in my role in, in talent acquisition and recruiting is more tactical. And now that we can prove that, you know, there is more strategy, we're not just responding to needs as they come, but we're thinking ahead, um, you know, we're gaining a lot more respect in different organizations. So good points. Um, well, I, I want to go back really quick on, you know, your company Talent Boost, you know, tell us, you know, what's next for you, what's next for your company? Yeah, so as you know, as you mentioned at the top of the conversation, I've been a little bit of a world traveler lately. <laughs> um, I am uh, married to uh, a, a, a very bright man who uh, works very hard, uh, works for a global company, mm -hmm. and you know, post COVID has had an opportunity to travel quite a bit. Uh, so I have, when I can make it work, uh, have been traveling with him, which is which is just great. I mean, first of all, I just I loved traveling. I missed traveling. And whenever you have an opportunity to get outside of your own comfort zone, um, you know, whether it's outside of the country that you're in or just outside of the state where you live, right? Uh, it just broadens your perspective. And that always, for me, unlocks something, right? Mm -hmm. It gives me some perspective that I don't get if I'm just sitting in my office uh, or working, you know, with, with one particular particular client. So, right. um, so one of the things next for me is to continue to do that as much as possible, you know, whether I can travel <laughs> the world, eventually that's just not going to be uh, terribly feasible. Um, but, you know, just, just that, that physical or even metaphorical act of shifting my perspective, um, you know, visiting different places, um, talking to people at different levels, um, I am continuing that research study around the future of HR for business, um, gaining more and more insight, which is in turn going to help me advise my clients at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think one of the things that leaders um, sometimes forget is that the doubts, the vulnerabilities, the fears that they have individually are actually shared by more leaders than they than they think because they're just not... Um, they're not set up where it's allowed for them to talk about that, for them to get vulnerable. And so when I have those conversations and they, and they hear, you know, that this is somebody who can deeply listen to them and let them get out and get through what it is they're wrestling with. Um, that's where the insights come. That's where the breakthroughs happen, right? Because there's sort of this self-realization. Okay. These, these fears that I have are not just, isolated or irrational, they're actually shared by other people. So how can we then take that common ground to mm -hmm. have better conversations, not just with my fellow leaders, but with the, the people that are trying to follow our lead, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really just, it, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of leaning into these conversations. It's a lot of taking advantage of the fact that we now can 
gather teams together in the same physical space to have these types of conversations and to point them together towards solving the real business problems that COVID didn't erase. They just kind of put them on pause. And now they're here, they're even more urgent. Um, and the you know, teams have to figure out a way to work together to solve them. And again, one of the things that it enables me to do is to get them into the same room and work on strengthening trust and collaboration first so that they can then tackle those problems with creativity and with um, you know, a, a collaboration that is far more trusting and more effective and more actionable. Well, I would love to um, maybe have you back one day to just kind of follow up after you've done a little bit more on your study, because I think there's so many things from it that, um, you know, you've already shared that you've learned. And I think a lot of us can also learn as well. Well, Claire, um, I think our time is up, but, you know, you might not be able to travel the world, but I think you're pretty much on your way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having fun. That is definitely for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being on uh, the Just Get Hired podcast and wish you much, much success. Thank you. Same to you. I want to thank Claire again for being a part of the Just Get Hired podcast. What an awesome conversation about aligning leadership teams for success. Well, before I wrap things up, I want to quickly recap a few things that Claire was talking about and also some of the reasons why businesses should align their leadership teams as one of their top priorities. So the first thing is when leaderships are aligned, everyone shares a clear vision and understanding for the company's goals. So that unity fosters focus and teamwork throughout the organization. The next thing is aligned leadership teams are superstars when it comes to decision-making. Think about tapping into that diverse expertise and perspectives from each of those team members. Organizations can now make informed decisions efficiently and they can identify innovative solutions. The next thing is alignment enhances communication and collaboration among leaders. Whenever you have open lines of communication, everything just seems seamless. Everything seems to be more effective when it comes to problem solving and organizations can adapt quickly when it comes to changing market conditions. The next thing is aligned leadership teams set the tone for employee engagement. When employees can see their leaders working together cohesively towards a shared vision, think about what that does for morale. That will build a lot of trust and inspire greater engagement across the workforce. And then the last thing is aligned leadership teams drive growth. I mean, look at being a united front. Leaders can optimize their resources. That will drive innovation. And then you can better execute strategies more effectively. So that will give organizations the competitive advantage and position it for long-term success. So remember, aligning leadership teams, it's an ongoing process. That's going to require a lot of continuous effort and a lot of nurturing. So if you need help in aligning your teams or you want to learn more, be sure to check out the links to find Claire in the show notes. And then you can also find ways to connect with her if you want to learn more about this on my website, justgethired.com. Well, speaking of which, if you enjoy my content, don't forget to go over to Instagram. Follow me there, Just Get Hired. Also, connect with me, follow me, and network with me on LinkedIn by searching my full name, Jessica Fiesta George. And of course, go back to my website, justgethired.com, if you want even more career insights and tips. Well, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Just Get Hired podcast. Remember, I am kind of stepping up my game, so I'm going to be cranking out more episodes. So I'm throwing out my normal cadence of 
every other week. So come on back because I'm going to have more episodes this month and next month. But if you're ready to take your taste buds on a fiery adventure, I want to introduce you to the Spicy Gnome Hot Sauce because it is the perfect blend of flavor and heat that will ignite your senses. I'm introducing you to the Spicy Gnome because they're sponsoring a summer series of this podcast to help give you the hottest takes on the hottest topics this summer. So stay tuned because after the 4th of July, we're going to have more episodes. They're going to be short and sweet and to the point with a lot of your favorite LinkedIn and business influencers and maybe a few people that you've already heard from on this show. Well, my name is Jessica Fiesta George, your host of the Just Get Hired podcast. What do y'all want to talk about next? I'll catch you on my next episode. Welcome to another great episode of the Just Get Hired podcast. I am excited because I took 10 days off and I feel like a new person. I celebrated my birthday, put June 25th on your calendar, but June 25th was my birthday. And I wanted to just really enjoy the meaning of paid time off and my vacation time. So I took a step away for 10 straight days. I feel like a whole new person and I'm excited to bring you this episode because I'm encouraging you guys, if you also have time off that you have accrued, take your damn PTO and enjoy the hell out of it. So for those of you who listen to my podcast every second and fourth Tuesday in 2023, I've been releasing an episode of my podcast, but for the month of June, for my birthday, I've been cranking out an episode every week. Now, this episode might be a little bit later than I would like, but it's still coming out at the same time. But, you know, I said I'm not going to let this whole process stress me out. I need to reduce the amount of stress that I have in my life, including this podcast, including a few things that are going on at work and all of the different things I have going on in my life. So I said I'm going to unplug. So that's what I did. But as you know, I am a one-woman show. If you're new to the show and not listened before, I actually wear multiple hats. I write the show, I host it, I edit, I produce it, I get my guests, I also market my podcast, but that job doesn't pay me. I love doing what I do because I love to share things with people, and if it can help one person, it makes all of it worth it. But the job that actually pays me is I'm a full-time talent acquisition advisor, and I consult private equity-backed companies on their talent acquisition and recruiting strategy. So that keeps me busy. I travel almost weekly. I'm always on the phone. I'm always connected somehow. And then I also manage a handful of rental properties. I started a new Airbnb about a year or so ago. So I've been juggling that. And I also have a few side hustles. I act and I model and I have a few auditions that my talent agent sent over to me that I still have to do. So I'm adding that back to my list. But, you know, 10 days away to unplug was time I needed for myself. And I decided, you know, I'm going to take a chance on myself. So I took a bold choice. I made a bold decision to take a few days off to reconnect with myself. So I became tethered to my phone, as we all do. We always check emails. I'm consumed by social media. I'm always on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, you know, I forgot what it was like to truly enjoy spending quality time with my family and just immerse myself in the beauty of the moment. So that's what I did. So I took some time off and I'm encouraging you guys to do the same. So that's what this episode is about. I felt no guilt. 
stepping away for a few days just to re-energize and connect with all of the things that I love to do and the things that I actually kind of forgot to do um, and just really unplug. So I'm hoping that through this episode, I can also ease your mind on what you can do so you don't feel guilty and that you can also ease back into work. 